Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I have something to tell you that's going to shock you. Brace yourself. Here it is. I like to talk. I know, I know, you're shocked. I like to talk. I have preached thousands of sermons, taught hundreds of classes, recorded more than 300 podcasts, and carried on countless conversations over the years. I like to talk. And when I first started in ministry leadership, When I heard the word communication, I equated that with learning how to speak more effectively, more eloquently, more powerfully. I would say probably for most of the first 30 years of my life, anytime I heard the word communication, it translated in my brain as me learning how to speak to, communicate with, get a message across, to other people. But early on in ministry leadership, I discovered that I had a very significant deficiency in my communication skills. I did not know how to really listen to other people. Now, some of you who know me well these days would say, well, That was a problem for you a long time ago, and it's still a problem, (laughs) and it is still a problem. I have struggled all my life to be a more effective listener, and I want to talk with you today on the podcast about how to listen well and how to round out your communication repertoire, not only focusing on the skills of delivering messages, but also focusing more on the skills of receiving those messages. This was such an important issue for me that during my doctoral studies, I was faced with this reality that the real problem in my witnessing relationships was not an inability to communicate the gospel. It was an inability to have a dialogue about the gospel. And so, in the middle of my doctoral project on evangelism, I shifted gears and ultimately did a project entitled Developing Effective Listening Skills for Personal Evangelism. Developing Effective Listening Skills. And in order to do my project, I researched about 300 sources on listening skill development. And I discovered that a lot of different uh, fields of study connect to listening skills. And my task was to assimilate that information, distill it, and apply it in the context of personal evangelism. Today on the podcast, I want to go beyond that. I want to try to lift out some of the key ideas that have really helped me over the years and focus on how to be a more effective listener as a leader as a witness, and yes, even as a husband and a father. How to listen more effectively. 
The first thing I want to teach you today is that there are three broad categories of the kinds of listeners there are. The first is what's called a marginal listener. This is when you hear the sounds, but not the words are the meaning. This is sometimes comically portrayed uh, by a person uh, talking repeatedly to their spouse and the other person just saying, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear, knowing that they're not hearing anything that's being said. They're not understanding the words. They're definitely not interfacing with the meaning. But they're just, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear, acknowledging the sounds, but not really listening. Now, fortunately, most ministry leaders have moved beyond that kind of listening. They've moved beyond that in order to function at a basic level in ministry leadership. But in moving beyond being a marginal listener, a second category is described as evaluative listeners. Now, there are three descriptions or characterizations of evaluative listeners that I want to highlight for you, and this is going to cut close to home. In fact, this gets a little painful. Evaluative listeners, first of all, hear the words, but not the full meaning. They have an insensitivity to the nuances of vocal tones, facial expressions, and other nonverbal communication. They don't know how to discern meaning. They only focus on the precise use of the words. They're frequently found in conversations saying something like this, but you said, and repeating verbatim the words that were used, rather than trying to discern the meaning associated with or behind those words. A second characteristic of evaluative listeners is they listen only to form a reply. An evaluative listener is not listening for understanding. They are listening only so they can form a response and they stop listening the moment they have the response formed in their mind and they're ready to give it. This is a particular problem for me. When someone starts telling me a story or describing a problem or seeking my counsel, uh, I'm fully aware that I frequently have other appointments stacked up throughout the day and other work that needs to be done and other projects that need attention and even other people that I need to talk with. And so I want to get to the solution or the response or the issue as quickly as possible. And I find myself often cutting people off, listening only long enough that I can form a reply, and then delivering that reply even if I cut the other person off in mid-sentence. Ouch. A third quality of evaluative listeners is they are really great on remembering facts and figures and statistics and semantics, but they are very poor on empathy and sensibility and true understanding. So if you ask an evaluative listener to recount a conversation for you and its meaning, they can give you the facts, the data, the statistics, but they really can't tell you what the communicator was trying to get across in terms of their message 
because empathy, sensibility, and true understanding are often lacking. So marginal listeners hear the sounds, but not the words are their meaning. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. But evaluative listeners, they're a little better. They hear words, but not the full meaning. They listen, but only so they can form a reply. And they focus on facts and figures and data, information, but not on empathy and sensibility and understanding and meaning. So as ministry leaders, we want to move beyond being evaluative listeners to being what are called in this third category, active listeners. Now, active listeners are people who hear both the content and the intent of the messages being sent. They hear the content, so they do get the facts and the figures and the data and the information. But they also hear the intent. They understand what the speaker is trying to communicate. They're aware of verbal and visual signals and attune to nonverbal clues that are a part of all communication. They are, for example, aware of vocal tones, facial expressions. They are aware of uh, body language and body position. They are fully embracing all of what's being communicated, not just the words being spoken. And active listeners not only hear content and intent and are aware of uh, verbal and visual signals associated with those words, but they also probe for feelings and deeper issues and nuances. Now, you might be thinking, ah, this sounds like you're turning every conversation into a counseling session. No, it doesn't. It means that you're turning every conversation into a, an active listening venue where you're really trying to discover what the other person means by the words they're speaking, the expressions they're using, the tone which, by which they're communicating, the way their body is presenting itself, and the way their facial expressions are, uh, are, are interfacing with and connecting with are contradicting the words they're saying. It means you probe. You ask about deeper issues and nuances and feelings and why someone is saying what they're saying to you. Now, in developing the capacity to be an active listener, uh, there are three skills that you can focus on that will help you to learn to do this better. Number one is called sensing. This is recognizing and appreciating nonverbal signals and visual signals uh, related to communication. Sensing. And then attending. This is, sen this is sending signals to the sender or to the person communicating to you indicating your attentiveness and your receptiveness and your acknowledgement that you're actually in a conversation. One of the things you can do to communicate attending to a conversation is to put your phone down, <laughs> to turn off the television, set aside the magazine, stop looking at your child scurrying around playing on the floor and turn and look at me when I'm talking to you. You're attending to the conversation. I have one particular person that I frequently have interaction with, and I really want to simply reach over and take his phone away from him so that I can have some sense that we're actually 
having a conversation together. Now, some of that may be the fact that I'm from a different generation and I don't like multitasking when I'm trying to communicate with someone and don't appreciate it when they're doing it back to me. But nevertheless, attending is, as a ministry leader, you send signals to a person communicating with you that you're attentive and you're receptive and you're acknowledging that what they're saying really matters to you. Put down the phone, turn off the television, dial down the music, set aside the magazine, stop looking at the children scurrying around playing at your feet, and focus on the person who's talking to you. And then a third skill of active listeners besides sensing and attending is responding. And responding means that you attempt to keep the sender engaged until resolution is achieved, meaning the message is received and understanding is reached. So it's doing things like asking questions to help the person clarify what they're saying so that you understand it more clearly. It's responding is sending your own messages back with a nod of the head, an attentive smile, uh, a a nonverbal clue like, yes, mm, something like that that keeps a person talking and explaining to you what they're trying to say. So moving into active listening where you hear both the content and the intent of the messages where you're aware of verbal and visual signals and you're probing for deeper feelings and nuances and issues means that you use these three skills, sensing, attending, and responding to become a more active listener. Now, in the context of this, there are also some best practices that you can use that will help you to implement those three skills that I've just mentioned. So for the balance of the podcast now, let's talk about these five best practices to master to become a more active listener. Number one, focus your energy on listening. Genuinely hearing someone is often foundational to legitimate ministry being offered to them. Genuinely hearing someone, which means You've got to bring some energy to the table. You've got to study listening skills. Discern where you're weak in this area. Work on positive skill development like sensing, attending, and responding. And then, in the conversational moment, bring some energy to listening. Focusing your attention and reminding yourself that listening is a vital part of communication, that you are actually dialed in, eyes on, ears open, sensors out, responding and attending as you go along so that there is some sense that you are bringing energy to the moment. Second, you must fight off distractions that limit or you're listening, or cause you to lose focus in the moment. Now, there are a number of different kinds of distractions that get us off track while we're trying to listen to someone. A number of years ago, I was reading a story about fighter jets, and I discovered that high-speed fighter jets uh, have a defense mechanism 
they release a tinfoil bomb out the back of the jet, and it literally explodes and burns at an incredible hot temperature. And in doing this, it it distracts or redirects missiles, heat-seeking missiles that have been fired at the fighter jet. And these uh, confetti-like explosions of hot metal allow the jet to escape. Now, these kinds of distractions in communication are like those exploding confetti balls. They're a distraction. So you're trying to listen with a laser-like focus. You're a laser-guided, heat-seeking, listening missile, and you're really trying to stay focused. And then some of these distractions get you off track, blow you up cause you to miss your mark, get you so off course that you can't get back into the conversation. Here are some examples of what I mean. First example are emotionally laden words. Words like rape, incest, pedophile. For some people, profanities are Emotionally laden words. In our culture today, we sometimes call these trigger words. These are words that someone says to you and immediately you're hooked and you're distracted and you're off course in the conversation. As a ministry leader, you have to address these emotionally laden words and take the sting out of them so that when they're used in your presence, they do not become distractions to listening to people who are talking to you about ministerial concerns. Because quite frankly, hurting, broken, troubled people are going to tell you things that often involve words that describe situations that you may find very upsetting. And in expressing themselves openly and honestly, they may use language that you find offensive difficult to hear, inappropriate. But if all of these emotionally laden words distract you from the conversation at hand, then they've limited your ability to listen in the moment. Another kind of distraction category are what I call speakers' idiosyncrasies. These are things people do that annoy you. So while someone is talking to you, They're doing something that's annoying. Now, there can be any range of these things. But one was very noticeable to me a number of years ago. I had a ministry conversation with a person who ended every sentence with the word, hello. Here's how the conversation went. How are you today? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Hello. And why have you come to see me? Well, I, I've got some trouble with my marriage. Hello. Tell me about that. Well, my wife's been doing this and that and the other. Hello. He ended every sentence with the word hello. Now, at first, it was intriguing. Then, frankly, it became a little comical. But before long, it was annoying. 
This man had this deflection mechanism, this nervous tick, if you will, that he expressed verbally with the word hello. And I'm trying to have a conversation with him. And this speaker's idiosyncrasy was driving me nuts. You got to fight that off if you're going to be an effective listener. And then another kind of distraction are what I call external distractions. This is when you go to a restaurant and you sit down and make sure that you can look over your wife's head at the TV screen on the wall. That's going to be a distraction. If I really want to have a conversation with my wife, I go to that same restaurant and I sit with my back to the screen so that I'm focused entirely on her. You sit where there are no distractions. But external distractions can be one of the things that causes us to lose focus in listening. So the first big best practice was focus some energy on listening. And the second is to fight off distractions like emotionally laden words and speakers, idiosyncrasies and external distractions. Third, a third best practice in listening skill development for ministry leaders is to control your emotions in a ministry conversation. Now, what are some emotions that can bubble up in one of these conversations? Well, anger, frustration, impatience, fear, disgust. All of these things can turn us away from really listening and cause us to miss the full messages that are being communicated. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I had a man call me and say, I, I need to come and see you, and I'd like to bring my daughter in for counseling. I said, all right. He said, we're a member of a Methodist church here in town, but we're fairly prominent in that church, and I don't really feel comfortable going there for counseling on this personal matter, and I've been told that uh, you're a reputable minister, and I can trust you, and I'd like to come and see you. Well, I thought, of course. Bring your daughter, and let's get together. So they did. He comes in my office, and she came in, sat down across the desk from me. He sat down in the adjoining chair. She immediately slumped down, put her head down, her chin uh, down on her chest, and and just tried to disappear into the chair. And I said to him, well, tell me how I can help you today. And he started on a tirade attacking his daughter because she was pregnant. And the longer I listened to him, the more angry I became. Now, obviously, this girl had made a serious mistake and was going to have to pay some consequences for her actions. But her father did not bring her to me for counsel. He brought her to me for a humiliation. He wanted her to hear him uh, just justify his own righteousness in the presence of a spiritual authority and show her how bad she was. And he was not very far into the conversation when my anger got the best of me, my frustration bubbled out of me, and I tuned him out. I didn't really care about anything else he had to say. The listening was over as far as I was concerned. But that really wasn't going to be helpful in the situation. So I had to dial it back and get control of my emotions in that context. Another situation I was in. I had a couple that I sat down with in a ministerial conversation, and it came out that uh, there was some 
extramarital relationships going on, and it was destroying the family. And I knew this couple pretty well, and I knew what they were doing, and I knew how wrong it was, and I knew how much damage it was going to do their children and their extended family and to our church. And quite frankly, my frustration bubbled over, my anger erupted, and I didn't want to hear their stupid, sad story. That's just how I felt about it. Another situation uh, where uh, impatience can get the best of you. Uh, Someone came to see me. They start telling me their story. Quite frankly, they're making a mountain out of a molehill. They're telling me some big trial they're going through, which frankly was not that big of a problem. And I just sat there drumming my fingers, at least mentally, thinking, when are they going to finish with this story so we can get on to something more important? Impatience. Another time, someone came to me and started telling me about what was troubling them, and uh, it came out that uh, they had been sexually abused as a child. And when I heard the story, I just became so distraught, just so broken, and so so just uh, upset that this person had gone through this horrible ordeal as a child. So when I talk about getting your emotions under control to be an effective listener in a ministerial situation or ministerial conversation, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some simple little thing. I'm talking about when people engage you in conversation about things that really matter. And you start hearing about the pain, the difficulty, the trouble, the brokenness, the heartache of life. It evokes something deep within us. And if we're not careful... That sound that wells up within us can drown out all the other communication going on around us. Number four, another best practice to become a more active listener is to understand the power of nonverbal communication. Now, there's a a lot of studies that have been done about this, and various percentages are attached to how much communication is actually verbal and how much is nonverbal. But most reputable studies say that in any dialogical uh, uh, engagement between two people, that somewhere between 80 and 95 percent of the communication is actually nonverbal. Now, nonverbal communication ranges from your facial expression to your body language to your position that you're seated or standing in the in the conversation or in the dialogue. But it also includes what you might think of as verbals, but it's nonverbals like, hmm, and I see. It's things like that that really aren't necessarily words or sentences contributing, but they are just expressions of sound that keep the conversation moving or express some uh, response to or interest in what's being said. Now, most of us grow up uh, in being enculturated to understand nonverbal cues and nonverbal clues. But frankly, not everyone gets those growing up, and some of us have to learn the hard way how to pay attention to those. So I would challenge you. There are good books. There are good videos. There are good opportunities to learn about how to discern and discover and understand nonverbal communication. And today's podcast is far too short to talk about how to do this in great detail, but you can learn to read, to interpret, to understand nonverbal communication. And you can also learn 
to more carefully and intentionally structure your own nonverbal communication. So, for example, when you come into my office and say that you need to speak to me and I turn away from my computer and say, please sit down, and I lean forward in my chair, and I cock my head to the right, and I give you my undivided attention looking you right in the eye. I've just used a whole series of nonverbals that had no words attached to say to you, you have my undivided attention, and I'm ready to hear what you have to say. So not only can you learn how to um, sense, attend, and respond, an active listener, to other nonverbal communication coming to you, you can also learn how to more carefully structure your own nonverbal communication to say things, communicate things, uh, get messages across that don't even include the words. And then finally, the final best practice of being an active listener is learning the art of asking good questions. Learn to ask open-ended questions. Now, some people don't like these because they allow for wandering answers and emotional responses, but that's all right. Because open-ended questions help people to process what happened to them or to explain their feelings about a matter or to get uh, to the root of it eventually by some description they may give. But open-ended questions, while they're sometimes a little ponderous to hear and sometimes take a while to get fully expressed, are far better at getting to true meaning than asking simple yes or no questions. You've probably been uh, seen some kind of movie or television depiction of a courtroom where the attorney is asking uh, direct questions and the person is having to answer yes or no. And the person giving the testimony just want, just stops and says, but you're not, but I'm not, I'm not telling you everything. I'm not telling you the whole truth. I'm not telling you the whole situation. And that's kind of how you feel. If all you have in a conversation is just yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, you're far better in that context of ministerial conversation to say, tell me how you felt in the moment. Describe what went on during that relationship. Tell me how you got involved in that situation. Walk me through the process of how you got to my office today to talk about this issue. Tell me about it. An open-ended kind of question. And these kind of open-ended probing questions often allow the pain, the difficulty, or even the insight about the situation to emerge without you having to actually even tell the person what the solution's going to be, they'll often begin to propose it and come to it on their own. Ministerial conversations are full of good questions asked intentionally and directly, open-ended questions that draw out the true meaning a person is trying to communicate to you. Well, this has been a relatively brief podcast on a very important theme how to listen more effectively, particularly in ministerial conversations as a part of the leadership responsibility that we have. I'm sensitive on this issue because it was such a significant weakness when I was a younger man. And now, after all these years of practice, it's still a struggle. Not one of my strengths, but something I've improved significantly over the years by focusing on some understanding and some best practices like I've tried to outline in the podcast today. You will be a better leader if you improve as a listener. Work on listening skill development as you lead on.